What if I told you that communication holds the power to preserve your family's legacy and wealth? My guest today, Dr. Thomas William Deans, reveals the hidden connection between effective communication and a successful wealth transfer. Next, on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, Breaking Taboos, exploring the uncomfortable connection between wealth and death. This is the Executor Help Podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davideady.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. With me today is Dr. Thomas William Deans, author of the all-time best-selling family book, business book, Every Family's Business, 12 Common Sense Questions to Protect Your Wealth. Now you'd think he'd be done. Nope. He went on to write a New York Times top 10 book entitled Willing Wisdom, Seven Questions Successful Families Ask. Tom, thanks for taking the time to be here and just have this conversation with me. You've traveled around the world speaking on the subject of estate succession and legacy planning. In your opinion, why are people so afraid to talk about death? Uh, you know, it's a great way to start this conversation because that's what's missing. People people don't like talking about this subject. Obviously, it's, it's a dark subject. It's dour. It's morose. It feels final. You, you can see why a shocking 12 and a half million Canadian adults are missing the most important document in an estate plan. Obviously, that's a will. And what I don't think people understand is the consequences of, of, of that, of that um, inaction. Right. The chaos, litigation, family disharmony, confusion, delay, expense, on and on it goes because people put off and procrastinate doing something that is actually relatively not only simple and straightforward and inexpensive, but also really satisfying. It's really satisfying to get your affairs in order and also to set family members up to serve you when you lose capacity. Um, So it's a really interesting moment in time. At the very moment where we're actually transitioning more wealth to Canadians, to our family, we're actually writing fewer and fewer wills. So we can dive into why I think that is, well, why I think it's really urgent that we that we move forward and make some changes. Well, you you mentioned Canadians, but I know I got a lot of American listeners as well. The numbers are pretty much the same between the two countries, and it's the, the issues are pretty much the same. That you know they don't have a will, and that's why you believe that if you don't have a written will, it's sort of a symptom of giving up on relationships. Why do you say that? Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what a will is. Let's start there. I mean, a lot of people approach estate planning exactly the way their parents approach it. It's called family systems theory. It's the study of families as an organization. And one of the central tenets of family systems theory is that families repeat. We know that children that grow up in homes where there are smokers have a higher probability that they will smoke. We know that they're not guaranteed to smoke, but probably. We know that children that grow up in households where there's one or more entrepreneur parents were going to grow up and become an entrepreneur. They're going to be more of a risk taker. So that's family systems theory. We have a generation of Canadians right now, the baby boomers who are turning 75 this year, who are approaching estate planning exactly the way their parents did, except their parents didn't have surplus capital. They didn't have a cottage. They didn't have a business. They didn't have, you know, uh, they didn't accumulate significant wealth. 
And there was a very high probability that there was no conversations or a will or conversations about estate planning. And so that experience is informing the way wealthy Canadians are approaching their estate plan. They're doing it like their parents. The problem is it's not going to work. When we accumulate wealth and assets, we are going to do one of two things. Those assets are going to transition smoothly. The, the inheritors will be prepared. They will have had lots of conversations and be ready for that moment in time. Or the opposite. Those assets will be wrapped in silence and, and create confusion, and they will accelerate demise and litigation. Listen, the courts right across the country are full of families in litigation. Same thing on the other side of the border. U.S. courts in every state are absolutely jam full of families fighting over farms, fighting over cottages, fighting over businesses. And, and I got to tell you, there's really one group of professionals that are making a lot of money from this. Who do you think that might be, David? Hmm. Uh, lawyers? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and the lawyers and, and the, the lawyers are the ones that are building the cottages, building the new cottages, and and taking better trips. And so, so at least the the the, the wealth is being passed on to the lawyers. So it works out well then. Oh, the lawyers are thrilled. Um, but here's the best part. You ready for this, David? Yeah. Half of all lawyers in Canada and the U.S. don't have a will themselves. Four U.S. presidents died without a will. Two of wow. them were lawyers. 125 million American adults without a will. This is bizarre. It is absolutely shocking that super smart and accomplished Canadians are about to do one of the dumbest things in their life. And that is, and I'll give you a hint. Um, I, I, he, he threw me for that. What? He threw me. <laughs> the hint is they are going to approach estate planning by wrapping the whole subject in secret and it is it's not just the it's not just that they're not writing will for those 12 million canadian adults who do have a will the vast majority are keeping those documents secret from the people who will be impacted from the decisions made in those wills so there we have canadians that are writing wills and they're selecting an executor and they're not even telling the executor or asking for their approval or they ask for their approval, but then don't give them a copy of the will. So we have Canadians now that are dying and they have their wills squirreled away in their, their air vent in their home or in their <laughs> safe vent. that no one has a combination to or a safety deposit box that no one has any idea exists. So it's not just that Canadians aren't writing wills. It's the ones that are writing wills are, are causing an equal amount of problems by not sharing these documents, having repetitive family conversations, relying on advisors like yourself to facilitate important family conversations and prepare for the most obvious thing in life, which of course is death. But before death, there is, an, there is a segment of retirement. I love books on retirement. Books on retirement always have a front cover of someone playing golf, some old person playing tennis or sitting in a Muskoka chair, relaxing by a lake. Or they're on the beach. Like, they're on the beach. Like those are the, those are our mental impressions of what retirement looks like. The reality is, and I've had an upfront close seat watching two generations of my family navigate through retirement, my grandparents and great grandparents. And there is a section of retirement where no one's swinging a golf club or swinging a tennis racket or swinging a pickleball paddle. No one's swinging anything. There is a segment of retirement where we're lying down. 
we are lying down, not for a month, but for many years. And we are in the care of family members, family members who need to supervise caregivers, pay their bills, organize, check prescriptions. There is a segment of retirement where we are we are out of control. We have lost control. And unless we have really produced wills, power of attorneys and healthcare directives before we lose control, cognitive control, once that ship sets sail, you you know, David, yeah. it's gone. It's gone. You can't write a will when you have incapacity. I, I will say you can't have a meaningful conversation with somebody when they're on a respirator. Very difficult to have a two-way conversation. And it's a good point. You know, one of the silver linings coming out of COVID was that it scared the living shit out of Canadians, right? They had parents ending up on a ventilator. Many got better and came off the ventilator, but they were realizing that there was no power of attorney, no healthcare directive, no will, and significant assets. And people were like, so coming out of COVID and talk to the lawyers, will writing improved like dramatically. There was a lot of people that said, holy smokes, we, we got to get our stuff. We got to get our stuff organized. Enough of this chaos. So what made you, because clearly you're, you're passionate about this, the, the, the subject of uh, legacy planning, succession planning. Was it just only watching your, your great-grandparents and your parents, yep. uh, how they went through you know, their retirement? What made you so passionate to want to be you know, writing two successful books and you know, go around the world talking about this subject? Well, I, I'd like to say that I had a master plan and a well-thought-out business plan to write a book and become a professional speaker. But I would be fibbing. It, this is all an accident, actually. I, I, uh, this whole kind of career of writing and speaking started um, having sold a family business. I was the CEO of our of our family business, second generation leader. I ran the business for eight years, plastics manufacturing for eight years as CEO, and then we had an unsolicited offer, and we sold that business. And I realized at that moment that that was the third time in our family's long history as business owners, uh, having sold the business. Uh, going right back to my great-grandfather who had a business, my grandfather had a chemical manufacturing business, father, plastics, and now publishing. We, I realized we had never gifted an operating business to our children. We had always sold those businesses and transitioned wealth. But that's a very subtle distinction. So a lot okay. of people uh, view their business owners, view their legacy as their business, their farm, their their restaurant, their manufacturing business, they think that that's their greatest work of art and then that's their legacy. Well, the reality is, and I, I wrote a very controversial book, Every Family's Business, and what I say in that book is, your business is not a legacy. Your business is, a, is an instrument of wealth creation. It's a stock. It goes up in value, it goes down in value, but, but one assail, unassailable fact is businesses don't last. So that was a, I, I turned that into, a, wrote that book, I offered 12 questions to help family members start a conversation to determine whether or not there is a buyer in the family for the family business. If the children don't want to risk their capital to buy the business, I was asking business owners, why would you give a business to someone who doesn't want to risk something, doesn't want to risk their money to buy it? I think business owners were actually way books on the subject said the opposite. Never sell your business. Give it to your children and they will continue your legacy. Well, you look at the data and you were very quickly realizing that the success rate was 30%, 30% from G1 to G2. And the success rate from G2 to G3 was even worse. Only 10% of businesses that were gifted were making it to the third generation. So stated differently, the data shows that a business founder 
has a 3% chance of their grandchildren owning and operating their business. Because they, they, the the they didn't have the same passion. They didn't have the same vision to, to carry passion, on. Passion, drive, talent. Um, often the next generation were inheriting businesses that, that, were, that were at the end of their productive life cycle. Imagine inheriting today. Maybe you're an auto parts manufacturer making valves for the internal combustion engine. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> good point. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that business will likely fail and then everyone will go, whoa, you see how lazy and stupid that, that third generation is or that second generation is. So what I was revealing in my book was sometimes the, that next generation is actually smarter and harder working than their parents. It's just that they're they're inheriting a ticking time bomb, a business that is DOA, dead on arrival. Maybe not right away, but maybe three, five, 10, or even 15 years down the road. It is done. Doesn't matter how hard they work, no one's going to be buying an internal combustion engine. Right. Or yeah, a buggy yeah. wheel, or whatever it's that obsolete product or service that family businesses were making. So that little book, Every Family's Business, literally exploded. And it was solving, it was helping families solve a big problem. Most of their wealth was being stored in the family business in the form of real estate or machinery and equipment, whatever. But that's where their, that's where their money was. And a lot of families were blowing up that wealth. So that book, Every Family's Business, led a lot of business owners to sell their business. So I solved the problem only to replace it with another problem. Actually, uh, as equally, if not more complex problem, which is now how do you transition cash to the next generation? How much is too much to leave to your children? How much should you give to charity? How much is too much to leave to charity? And all of these questions I was getting from my audience as a result of my first book, and I felt that I owed my audience um, some further explanation around how to transition family wealth intelligently in a way that releases potential in the next generation as opposed to accelerating demise. Yeah. Because let's be clear, you and you know what I'm, you're in the business, you know what I'm talking about. People who inherit will take the, that inherited wealth and they'll start new businesses, they'll invest it, they'll save it for uh, medical emergencies to fund education, like really important, productive and, and responsible things. Or it will accelerate an addiction and someone will be dead in 30 days. Absolutely. And there you have it. Yeah. Inherited wealth will do one of two things, release potential or accelerate demise. And so I wrote Willing Wisdom to help families explore how it will be for them. And I offer them seven questions to help start some family conversations and to build some plans that I think protect wealth and help transition wealth um, and really honor the very best of family. What are the three most popular questions that you get that you thought I, I need to start there? And then, and then probably questions that people don't even think about. Well, of the seven, I would say question number three, which is a pretty, it's right in the middle. It's a pretty obvious question. It's so obvious that most people overlook it. And it's simply where someone would sit down in the context of a family meeting with their advisor present and go, you know, go through the seven questions. But this question is the one that I think is revealed. It's very revealing. It's where I would sit down with my family. And I do, by the way, these questions are real. I use these seven questions to this very day inside my own family meeting, uh, which we have annually. So I sit down with our kids and my wife. And, and so we ask each other 
we ask our kids what they would do with an inheritance. Like, what would they do with it? It's a, it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate and obvious question. Like, I'm really curious to know what someone is going to do with all my hard work. And it is fascinating to hear the conversations that evolve from that. It's, it's fascinating to hear how, in our case, our kids would take some of that wealth and start to take care of immediate need, down payments for homes, uh, setting aside money for their kids' education. Like that, and then going beyond that, uh, hearing some of their aspirational goals of what they would do with inherited wealth gives me some satisfaction that my life was not a waste of time, that in fact, my energy as expressed by my wealth will transition forward to the next generation and they will go off and do really interesting things with it. And that is, I think, come come from conversation. Have you seen that having the consistent family meetings that what they would do, their 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 goals and aspirations have evolved as they as they've got older and they, they see oh, the, yeah. the the value of, of oh, what yeah. money can, can or can't do? Absolutely. Not, not only has their aspirations and their thinking become larger, um, the inflection point was actually when they asked a really important question. When I asked um, what they would do with their inherited wealth, it took them a number of years, but finally, and I was waiting for it. Both my wife were, were waiting for this. They actually said, we can't really answer the question honestly or insightfully unless we know how much we're going to inherit. And we're like, bingo, of course. You need to know how much. That's going to shape the parameters of the vision. So we knew that when they asked that question, they were ready. We were ready to have the next level of conversation. And we started to share the magnitude of wealth that we've accumulated. We started to share what our thinking was in terms of how much they would get and when they would get it. And 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 so that's when the conversation and the answers to that question actually became more informed, way more engaging and interesting. We have really kind of stripped stripped away all the surprises there's no if my wife my wife travels with me all the time if we were to perish at the same moment on a plane our children would be obviously sad but they would not be disadvantaged or uh, unprepared to deal with the financial aspects of our life they are fully they are actually now we just made this change in the last year co-executors our son and daughter 30 and 28 are both now co-executors they get they have a great relationship they have different skills um, and they will get, they, they know exactly where everything is. And actually, they, my advisor is their advisor. My advisor is actually my parents' advisor, three generations under administration. So, you know, part of what I'm saying in the book is there's tremendous advantages that come from families sharing advisors across a generation. Advisors, as you know, can do their best work when they've got a much larger panoramic view of family wealth and where it's going. Yeah, it's funny you should say, you know, talking about family and family conversations, but I know having with my book out and, and, and speaking to groups is that a lot of families are saying, you know what, these two guys, you and I having this conversation, my family is great. There's no need for me to have these conversations. What they get, they get. And let's just move on with it. I don't want to upset anybody. Um, what do you say to a, you know, a group leader, a family leader who who has that in mind? There's no need for them to know what's going on <laughs> best question yet i'll tell you why and i'm and i'm just heading off to to go downtown toronto to give a to give a speech this morning on this very subject i say and i say to wealthy people especially but not necessarily wealthy people because that question is often was what's going on with moderately wealthy people too they think i've got the money i've got the control 
and I'm going to keep everyone in the in the dark. I'm not going to let anyone know what my what my will says. And my message to that person is be very very careful how you approach that game. One in three Canadians over the age of 65 are presenting some minor symptoms of cognitive impairment. When we lose control, not, I'm not talking about dying. I'm talking about having Alzheimer's or dementia for 10 or 15 years. David, who do you think that person is going to rely on to provide care and make really good decisions, not just financial decisions, but healthcare decisions to make sure that that person lives with dignity? Who? It would be the inheritors. Exactly. Yeah. Very people they're keeping in the dark. Yeah, family, the people that can't be trusted enough with financial information in today's, in real time. I, I'm reminding people all the time, be very careful about how you use your wealth to control people's lives. Yeah. It may actually come back in the worst and most dysfunctional way and affect your own health. That's why I say estate planning isn't about dying. It's actually very much a conversation about the living and empowering family members to serve us when we need them. So I'm flipping estate planning upside down. I'm, I'm taking all the old rules and the old approaches and turning it upside down and saying, it's not. it hasn't actually ever worked very well. But now I think we're ready for a new way, a way in which we have family conversations, we prepare the next generation, and we actually even also talk about our own long-term care re requirements. It's the same conversation with the same people. I know that in your book, in our remaining moments, that you have what you call the will-to-will -will campaign. Can you share with that what that is and how people could get involved? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you've, you've heard me talk today about the importance of conversations and family meetings. And I think the will-to-will -will ca campaign was really um, just a challenge, really, to help people talk about what has happened in their family when someone they loved dies without a will and to break that cycle right, to start a new family tradition of, of being prepared and having these documents and sharing them and storing them in a safe place and giving people access to those documents so that there are no surprises. And so that Will to Will campaign is really about telling those stories, both good and bad, to inform a new conversation and a new path forward for Canadians. Remember, today in Canada, $275 million will be inherited. That's 275 million today, tomorrow, and every day for the next 10 years, roughly a trillion dollars. It is a monumental amount of wealth, like never before being inherited. And most of it is being received through surprises, lack of preparation. And if you've ever watched a documentary on, on sudden wealth, like lottery winners, and the dysfunction and the chaos that's created by those, that scenario, Inheritors, are, it's, it's exactly the same. In fact, in many ways, it's actually more dysfunctional. People who have a, an ambivalent relationship with their parents' wealth because it was never discussed can create all sorts of chaos and litigation. So that's what the will, the will to Will campaign is really about that. It's, it's actually an individual challenge for people to start these conversations, sharing both the good and the bad. Yeah, and there's a lot of out, a lot of a lot of that out there. Uh, I'm hearing it all the time. Everybody's got a story to tell. It's sort of like a dirty little secret people don't want to talk about in their families because they figure, oh, no, we get together at Christmas and everything is great. But there is that underlying all it takes is one death in the family, if it's the matriarch or the patriarch, and all hell is going to break loose, which you which you may never expected because there's no family conversations. You no, know, I, th I think it's very much akin to uh, fraud 
the way in which fraudsters perpetrate and continue to perpetrate their crimes is because the person that they've duped is so embarrassed and ashamed that they bought something from someone who knocked on their front door or they you know, they clicked on a button, they bought something over the internet. They're just embarrassed by their own bad judgment. And I think what is going on with estate planning and inside families is the same thing. When, when a family relative dies without having spent $500 on a will and caused hundreds of thousands of dollars in tax liability and chaos and litigation, the family is so embarrassed by their ineptitude. There's no other word for it. They, they, don't, they don't say anything. They don't tell the story. They don't, they don't tell the story and remind the next generation not to make the same mistake. They're so embarrassed Absolutely. by that mistake that it continues over and over and over, generation after generation after generation. I, I can attest to that. I did a book signing on the weekend just to, you know, just go out and I was at the, the Indigo and 20 books were sold and maybe people were walking by and everybody stopped to tell me their story. Everybody. It, it wasn't like, oh, this is a great book. Let me move on. Everybody stopped and told their story and they were like, you know, more people need to talk about this, but you know, once it's happened, there's nothing you can really do about it. It's just, uh, you know, what you're doing is going out there and just letting people know, stop this nonsense that you need to have these family conversations. How can people find you and, and, and get your book? Yeah, super easy. Uh, the title of the book, willingwisdom.com. You can find both my books on the website. Shipping is free. A lot of people are getting frustrated on Amazon. They can't, they can't get it. It's sold out or, they, uh, they see it offered at a really low price, but it's used. It's all marked up. and stuff. So just go straight to my website. Uh, it's the same price as you'll find that on Amazon, except the shipping is free and books ship the same day that orders are received. So that's it. Willingwisdom.com. Dr. Thomas William Dean, Deans, I'd really like to thank you for taking the time. And hopefully when, maybe we'll have another conversation down the road because uh, you've got so much to share and uh help people out um again it's the dirty little secret families they don't want to talk about and you're out there you're a pioneer of uh getting things done and helping people getting to where they need to go so once again thanks so much for being here on the executor help podcast thanks david enjoyed our chat thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast please share it with others post about it on social media or by leaving a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts. to catch up with all the latest from me go to davidedy.com there you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.